back to Title IX College Sports Conversations. Bonnie Bernstein hanging with a mega baller today. And when I say that, I mean it literally and figuratively. Haley Jones, one of the nation's top college basketball players, led Stanford to the title a couple of years ago. Naismith finalist, Pac-12 player of the year, number one recruit in America coming out of high school. A little taste of the gold medal life with Team USA in the 2021 America Cup. And not only has Haley kind of transcended the game with the versatility she shows on the court, but she's using her platform off it to do a couple of things, raise awareness about mental health and uh, holding it down for the ladies in the NIL game. So Haley, what I love about talking to you is that when it comes to Title IX, you're a second generation beneficiary because your dad played basketball, your brother played basketball, but so did your mom in college at Metro State. And oh, by the way, she was your coach. So when you look at the impact that Title IX has had on your family, how would you describe that? Yeah, I think that Title IX, I mean, like you said, I'm a second generation beneficiary of that. So um, having my mom be able to play a college sport and be on scholarship um, kind of, you know, changed the trajectory that I had for my basketball career. So then I wanted to do the same with her follow her pathway. Um, and now I'm here on scholarship at Stanford. So Title IX paved the way for her and it's allowed me to go amazing places that I could never imagine. Well, I would imagine too, you get, you're, you're surrounded by recipients of Title IX, whether it's your mom, your teammates, your coach, Tara Vanderveer. When you think about when she was growing up, I mean, she was going to high school in the late 60s, this was pre-Title IX, there weren't even sports teams for girls to play on at her high school, and yet she was determined to play basketball. Long story short, she wound up at Indiana, led the team to the AIAW National Championship, so this was like pre-NCAA championship. So when you think about the impact that she has had on your lives as the girls that she's coaching, what would you say there? Yeah, I think that... Um... Tara has just kind of been a trailblazer in the Title IX space in that she, you know, when she went to high school, her first high school, there weren't even sports. And then all of a sudden now she's leading her team to a national championship. And then she continued on to now have Stanford have three national championships. We're one of the pillar programs in women's college basketball and have been ever since she really took the helm of the program. So to be able to play for a coach who trailblazed this amazing path and learn from her every single day and have people come out of the program like the Guma Kays or Roswell and Wude. The, the list just continues to go on. Now I have my name with them. It's, it's a blessing to be able to be here um, and be part of a program like this, have the opportunity to be at a university like this, which is going to set up the path of the rest of my life. Like I'm, I'm set, whether it's for basketball or whether it's in my business career, whatever I decide to do, having a person like Tara in my corner and having a Stanford degree and coming out of school with no debt is something that you know, it's just such a blessing. I know this is hard to do because your journey is your journey, right? But how do you think your journey would look different without Title IX? My journey would look extremely different. Who knows if I would um, be playing basketball anymore? Who knows if I would be at a place like Stanford? Like, it's just, it's it changes the way that you approach everything from a young age. So if Title IX wasn't a thing, I probably may not have spent as much time on basketball as I had in high school. Growing up, it may have been more of a hobby. I would have focused more on other things. 
um, to be able to have school be paid for with other types of scholarships or whatnot. Um, but Title IX allowed me to have the outlook where it's like, I get to continue to pursue my love for basketball. I get to continue to pursue all these different things um, at the highest level and not have to cut out certain things out of my life. So Title IX has allowed me to continue to play basketball and from that, you know, create relationships, travel the world, win gold medals, create amazing friends at other schools, X, Y, Z, keep this connection between me and my mom. And then hopefully further so that my own kids are able to continue to use all the different benefits that Title IX has to offer. So thanks to Title IX, you get to play basketball, you get a full ride to do it. And now in 2022, you can monetize your name, image, and likeness. And I'm so glad to be able to talk to you about that because it's funny, when, when NIL first became a thing, a lot of people assumed that it was going to be the football players and the men's basketball players that were really cashing in. And what we're seeing is that female athletes have been right up there too, whether it's the Cavender twins playing hoops at Miami, reportedly making in the $2 million arena. The first college athlete that Gatorade signed wasn't a football player, a men's basketball player. You know, it was Paige Beckers at UConn. Um, from what I've read, you've got deals with Beats by Dre. I know SoFi is in your NIL portfolio. For women who are heading into college and trying to figure out how to navigate the space, can you talk to us a little about your process, whether like how you're determining if you want to partner with a brand, if you like a brand, are you proactive about reaching out? So tell us a little bit about your particular process? Yeah, so originally when NIL kind of became a thing, I didn't think that it was going to affect my college career. I thought it was going to be coming out literally 2023 when I graduate. So I wasn't really planning for it. And then it ended up coming a thing last summer when all the bills got passed, XYZ, whatever. And so I kind of took it slow. I had a mini like recruiting process by agencies that lasted a week, which reminded me of the college recruiting process. And then I ended up signing with an agency probably a week or two after the NIL bill passed. Um, and then from then, they've been the ones that are, you know, reaching out to brands. Brands go through them. I don't have to deal with all that on a day-to-day -day basis. They then bring me the brands that they think I would align with. Um, and then from there, I kind of decide if I like the brand, is it a brand that like I actually use? I'm not going to push forward a product or a brand that I don't align with. Um, their own values as a company. I don't even use their product. Like I'm really trying to align myself with brands that I believe in and I support and I would use even if I wasn't like uh, a brand ambassador for them. So that's kind of how I've approached which deals I like to choose and whatnot. And I also don't like doing like these quick cash grab type of deals where it's like a one-off Instagram post, a one-off Twitter post where I like get a little bit of money and like that's it. I like to sign longer partnerships, longer deals where I actually get to like cultivate a relationship with the brand, see if I want to do it as soon as I turn professional, keep that relationship going, um, whatever the case may be from deal to deal. But I mean, I've really enjoyed NIL. I think that it's given me a platform to decide what my brand is going to be before I go pro, decide like not have to have all this pressure that this is my main source of income. Like this isn't what my livelihood depends on right now. I still have class. I still have practices. I still have lifts, whatever it may be. So NIL has been an amazing thing to reap benefits from and create a relationship with an agency that I really love working with and that I'm excited to go into my professional career with. Um, 
but also start figuring out what brands I want to stay long-term with, what messages I want to send across to my audience. It's, um, you're creating a great transition for me because you talk about navigating the NIL world, but you also have lots of things going on. Your sport, the fact that you're going at one, of, going to one of the best academic institutions in the country, you've got a social life, all these sorts of things. And that Haley sort of takes me to the mental health space because I feel like we're in a much better place where we can have these open, raw, vulnerable conversations and not be judged. But on the flip side, any student athlete is already dealing with school and sports and a social life. And now you're tacking on NIL. So how have you worked to figure all of that out, make the pieces of the puzzle fit and still go to sleep every night feeling that you still have your sanity intact? Yeah, I think it's, it's a balancing act and it's also trial and error that I'm still working on. And I think that it's a it's a process that's going to continue. There's going to be ups and downs throughout NIL space. And then once I end up going pro, it's going to be process to figure out how to balance, you know, it won't be school anymore, but it will be more so, um, you know, sponsorships, endorsements, things of that sort of performing, being on national TV all the time, um, whatever it may be. Now I have actual bills to pay taxes. Like there's so many things that are going to replace Oh, the school. tax thing. You're going to enjoy uh, it. I promise. Oh, I know. <laughs> like right now, like my mom's an accountant. And so with, you know, everything that I've earned with NIL, that stuff all goes towards the future. She runs all that. Like she does the taxes and I'm so appreciative to have my mom. But like um, what you were saying about mental health, I think um, mental health is something that I've learned to um, be more aware about with my own self. I think that a lot of times you know, really high caliber athletes, but just people in general, um, you struggle with asking for help and understanding that it's okay to not always be okay. And it's, it's a struggle to learn to not put on like this mask, like you're doing perfectly well all the time, because there are people in your life to help you. So as I've gone through my college experience before NIL, I already had struggles with, you know, maybe I'm not performing my best, or I had like a season ending injury my freshman year and then COVID. And so now I'm trying to figure out where I am in the world. How do I time manage? How do I make sure I'm doing everything I want to do? But like on the inside, also putting myself first and prioritizing my own needs and realizing that like, it's okay to not be in the gym every single day grinding. Like if I need a day, like I'm okay to take that day. If I am falling behind in school, it's okay to ask for extra tutoring. It's okay to go to office hours, you know, get extra help from a teammate or just another student at school um and I think with the addition of the NIL space it's learning not to compare your own journey to others like just because you see somebody posting on social media a million different deals every day um like for me I'm doing like less companies but like you know these kind of big deals that I really love and long-term stuff so it's like if I'm not posting a new deal every day I'm like okay Haley like that's what they're doing. You're doing your own thing. And they can be just as valuable just in different ways. I grew up in New Jersey and the high school state athletics association had a 50th title IX anniversary thing. And I was on a panel and I had the chance to talk to a bunch of the student athletes. And it was, you know, the top female student athletes from a lot of our high schools in New Jersey. And one after the other, after the other, I wish you were there with me Haley, because you would have been such a great 
great tag team partner. But one girl in particular was on the verge of tears. She was a field hockey player. They were in the playoffs. She had a clear shot on goal. She missed it. And she's really struggling because she hasn't been able to forgive herself. And I talked to another girl who was struggling to get through an injury. And all she wanted to do is lead her team to the state championship. And I know these are things that you personally have gone through. And I know that the wound hasn't healed quickly um, about the UConn loss in the final four. If you were with me, how would you guide those girls? What could you share with them that would inspire them to tackle their mental health challenges in a healthy way? Um, I think the first thing I would say is it's even when you're having those negative type of emotions where you're feeling you're letting your team down, you know, oh my gosh, um, I can't, you know, be a part of the team as I used to be if you're being injured or you miss the goal and you're like, oh my God, it's all my fault. You have to, I would try to implore them to think about the big picture. Um, you missed one shot. That's not everything that led to the loss in the game, right? Like, and then if you're, you're injured, you're on the sideline, I had to learn how to impact my team in a different way. If you're on the sideline, you can still provide to the team by being vocal, bringing energy, adding your thoughts, staying engaged, helping your teammates on the sideline, watching film, like doing whatever you can to still be that same role that you had. You're just not on the court, on the field anymore. Um, but I think that a lot of times with athletes, you, you're self-identity and your self-image is dependent upon your performance in your sport a lot and so you have to be able to and it takes time and so you have to be able to find self-worth outside of your sport and have your identity outside of that where you know whatever your sport is I always say basketball is something that I do but it's not who I am you know I love basketball I put so much into it I love doing it um and it's what a lot of people tie to my identity but I know personally the way that I look at myself, I'm not just a basketball player. And so once you're able to make that distinction and find your identity outside of your sport, outside of your passion, whatever it is, then you're able to deal with these adversities a lot easier. And it doesn't take over your entire mental being. You know, that's something that you talked about. And I love seeing that you kind of stepped outside of the sports bubble. You did a video for E! News during Mental Health Awareness Month. And you talked about exactly what you just mentioned, finding your identity away from the court, taking time away from the court, self-love, all of those sorts of things, which in theory sound great when we talk about it. But then, you know, if your teammates are shooting around and you're doing something for you, like FOMO kicks into gear. So how have you worked to get to a place where you're comfortable and you're not banging yourself when you're ultimately doing things that are so critical for your health and your mental health? Yeah, I think it, it, it takes time. Like um, when you're seeing on social media or just like people in the gym 24 seven grinding and you're just like, you know, I, for my own being, sometimes I don't wanna do that. And I'm also not the type of person where like when I'm gonna go to the gym, I'm not going to be there for three, four, five hours. Like I'm going to set aside an hour, an hour and a half of my day. And I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to go in and I have this goal and I'm going to get this and that done. And then I can go on and do the rest of my day. But like, if I need time away from basketball, then I'm going to take it. And I have to learn that, you know, for them, that might be what's best for them. But for me, 
sometimes taking a day and do cooking a new recipe, listening to new music, binge watching Game of Thrones, like <laughs> traveling somewhere new, doing something with, with, with a friend allows me to like get a mental reset so that I still want to go to the gym. I still want to go grind. Other, otherwise, for me, it would just become like a job. And that's not what basketball or any sport is supposed to be. It's supposed to be like an outlet space for me. It's supposed to be a space where I'm able to like get away from all the other mental pressures or whatever I have going on the rest of my life. And so in order for me to keep it as the special thing that I have, I have to be able to do it. Um, you know, in time with everything else going on in my life, I have to make sure that like me as a person, I'm cool and right. Like I have to be okay before I go and have basketball. I have a million people talking about my performance, how I'm looking, yada, yada, yada. I have to be able to have those different outlets. So like it takes time to not compare yourself to other people's journey. But I think once you're able to figure that out and not be in this cycle of self-comparison, then <laughs> your your own performance levels are going to rise. Yeah, well, it's what you're saying is so true. We have to be okay. We have to accept that uh, it's important to take care of ourselves. I know your campus was hit. Um, it, this all really hit close to home with Stanford as a student athlete community because Katie Meyer, who of course was team captain for the soccer team and the goalie and seemed to have everything going her way. And yet she took her home life and the common narrative was nobody had any idea. And I think we're really good as athletes masking it because it's sort of trying to function through the lens, the lens of perfection. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, when that all happened, I know you guys were going on a road swing. What kind of conversations did you have among yourselves to help each other mourn and heal and get through it together um I think yeah so we were on a road swing so we it was difficult being away from that such strong base of Stanford community and specifically within the athletic community it's a very tight bond um and so we just had lots of conversations as a team surrounding our own mental health how we're doing individually creating a safe space to say like okay like I've really been going through it. I'm not okay. Like whatever you were feeling at the time, helping people, you know, validate their feelings and let them know that, you know, the love that I have for my teammates and that they have for me is more than just as a teammate. It's more than a basketball player. It's as a friend, it's as a person, a sister, a daughter, a cousin, whatever it may be. Like you are so much more than a basketball player to me as a soccer player, whatever it may be, just as a peer. And so I need you to be okay off the court more than I need you to be okay as my teammate. Because if you're not whole, then, you know, I don't need you to be here. I need you to be working on yourself and I'm going to love and support you and do whatever you need to do. And then once you're ready, then like, let's get back to it. I'm still going to hang out with you. I'm still going to see you every day. But like, we just talked about the love that we have for one another. And actually, you know, like you, you know, these types of things, but actually hearing it aloud. Um, in a group setting, one-on-one -on -one setting, it means so much, um, especially like with the team that we had last year and every year, it's, you respect these players so much and you're competing and they're your greatest competitors, but also your greatest fans. So like hearing that between one another meant a lot. And it was just also not having a one-time conversation about it. It's continuing to bring it up, continuing to have these safe spaces where you can 
you can be vulnerable with one another. And then I think um, through that, you grow more of a connection to one another, seeing that you're having similar struggles, um, seeing that not everybody's perfect all the time. Because as you said, we do put on a mask because when once you go out on that court and you're on national TV, you're playing on Paso Network, whatever it may be, there are constantly other people's opinions coming at you, trying to oh, do yeah. this and that, whether it's positive input or most of the time it's negative. Um, so, you know, learning to listen to the right voices is hard. And so um, having that, creating a support system for yourself and for that team last year was really important as we continue through the rest of the season, but also just for the rest of the year, the years to come, understanding that different people are going through different things and doing whatever you can to be there for that. All right. Well, let's let's go on the court for a couple of minutes here as we get ready to close things out. I've heard plenty of folks, including Coach Vanderveer, refer to you as kind of the female version of Magic Johnson because you're able to play every position on the court. I know in the offseason, you've worked really hard on ball handling, perimeter shooting. You're going to be predominantly at the one this season. Why is it so important to you, out of curiosity, to be this trailblazer on the versatility front? Uh, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's something that came from my mom. Uh, when my mom was my coach growing up, she said, you know, the more positions you can play, the more opportunity you have to get on the court. <laughs> the less like, disposable you are. The more you yeah. can do, the less disposable you are. Seriously. It's like, okay, she needs sub. I know her spot. She needs sub. I know her spot. And then, like, I grow up playing on these, like, older teams. And so I'm the smallest person when I learn the guard position. And then... Once I'm playing with girls my own age, I realize how tall I am. And I'm like, oh, snap. Like, I can get up in there and post up. But then I never wanted to do, like, add more of my skill set without keeping that upkeep um, of the other skills that I had. So, you know, being a versatile player is just something that's indisposable to a team. And I think that it's also so much fun. Like, you create a mismatch in any situation you're in. Like, if I'm bringing the ball up and let's say I have, a like, a larger person on me, then I can just blow by them. If I'm a smaller person, then we can create a mismatch and I'll pass and go down and post up on the block. Like there's always a mismatch to be had. Um, but it's so cool being compared to a player like Magic Johnson. Like he was amazing. And so have you met him? I haven't. I wish I have. I'm gonna need to make that happen some way, somehow. Um, but like being compared to players that I looked up to, watch them on TV, whatever it may be. Um it's really cool. And it serves me as a source of motivation to continue the trend. Yeah, he was, he was okay. Uh, yeah, he, he was all right. You, you probably seen the videos. Okay. I want you to think of Haley Jones, the senior versus Haley Jones, the freshman. Mm-hmm. How differently would Haley Jones, the freshman be dealing with the reality of senior year, the hunt for two titles in three seasons, the upcoming WNBA draft, all the other things swirling in your life, NIL, fill in the blank. How mm-hmm. differently is senior Haley dealing with that versus how freshman Haley would have dealt with it? Yeah, freshman Haley would be extremely overwhelmed right now. <laughs> um, she'd be freshman Haley would be a stress ball with her hair sticking up. 100%. Haley would have been a stress ball, overwhelmed. But I think the main difference between then and now is that I would have been wearing more of a mask as to what I'm going through. I wouldn't be opening up about it. I wouldn't be asking for help. I would have just tried to like push through 
until one day it would have been too much and there would have been a breakdown to be had. But I think the the main growth that I've had throughout my time at Stanford has been learning, and I'm still working on this, but like learning to be vulnerable with my close circle. So having people that I feel comfortable enough with to be like, hey, like I need a day. Like if I'm going to practice and I'm overwhelmed by this going on with class, I this going on socially, whatever it may be, I can go to somebody on the staff or somebody on the team and be like, hey, like if you yell at me today, I might cry. So like I just need it's not gonna I need well. yeah, like I just need some time today. Like I'm telling you, I'm gonna push it because like this is what I have today. Right. So like being able to say things like that or being able to be like, hey, like I need a tutor. Like this is something that would help me take this off my plate. Or, you know, on an off day, I'm not going to see my trainer. Like, you know, I usually on off days, I go train extra. If I'm like, hey, dude, like I can't do this today. I need to go do this. Or like, I'll still go see you just because of a great relationship. But we can just have coffee and watch some film. Like I just can't be on the court. We can just talk about something random. Like I think um me finding other outlets outside of basketball and me being able to ask for help and take the space that I need to work on myself as a whole person has allowed me to grow so much to the point where as I look towards the senior year it's you know I'm confident I'm excited I'm not like oh my god it's all ending oh my gosh it's coming so fast the draft is so soon it's like I'm in a headspace where I'm able to enjoy every day practice I'm enjoying my teammates this is the last time I'm going to be in a space with them like I'm enjoying meeting new people on campus like cultivating these relationships um that I want to last outside of basketball that I want to last beyond Stanford like I'm watching Stranger Things last night with two of my best friends and I'm sitting there and I'm like starting to get a little sad I'm like oh my gosh like this isn't going to be how it is next year like and he's coming back yeah I'm back. <laughs> you have to. But it's just like understanding that it's okay that these things are coming to an end, but like learning how to keep these relationships, do all these different things, because I want certain things to continue in my life. So it's yeah. it's like mourning at the same time, but also like being excited for how those relationships are going to change and grow in the future. Well, and here's the great thing too. You're now in a position as a senior to pay it forward. Because we've got a baller top five freshman class coming in from everything I've read. They're hungry. They're open to information. They they want you to lead them. So mm-hmm. bringing this all full circle with the 50th anniversary of Title IX, what do you want the girls coming in to know? Not just about the opportunity that's sitting in front of them on the court, but the long-term value of the opportunity they're receiving because of Title IX. Yeah, I think I just want them to understand um, the blessing that it is that not everybody's had this opportunity in years past. And so when you have a scholarship, like take it, but run with it. And it's not just you're here only for basketball, whatever your sport is, you're here for only that thing, but that you are so much more than that. And Title IX isn't just for basketball. It is for you to do everything you can, everything you want to leave your legacy and blaze that trail forward so like with me I want to speak on mental health I want to make it more um, as an okay thing to talk about like there's so many different things that I'm passionate about that I've been given this platform because of title nine so I don't want title nine to just be like okay you're an athlete you get title nine that's all you're good for it's you are so much more than your sport and so I want you to be able to run with that 
blazer trail in whatever place you want to be in, whatever path you're deciding to take, but pay it forward to the next generation coming behind you. Well, I, I, all I know is that sometime in the WNBA offseason, I want to see you with a cooking show on mm-hmm. the Food Network because I know that's your, your jam. And I want you to make some of mom's spicy salmon crispy rice because mm-hmm. I learned that on Holly Rose interview that she did with you. And, and that's my girl. So and yes, I know that you're going to have the ability to leverage everything you're doing on the court to do great things off the court. It was such a pleasure talking to you, Haley. Go out and get that second championship, girl. And thank, thank you, you for spending time with us. And thanks to all of you for watching this edition of Title IX College Sports Conversations. You can catch all the shows on the NCAA's YouTube channel and social channels. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you.